Well, the long-awaited day is nearly here. Uh, you can smell it. You can taste it. In fact, you've probably already been tasting a few things in preparation for it. It's all around. You can hear it. You can't turn on a radio station that it's not reminding you that Christmas is here and the spirit of Christmas is in the air as, as well. Whether it's a, a great family heirloom recipe that's been handed down uh, that, that fills your table and your belly soon thereafter, or, or it's uh, a sprinkle of Jesus here and there just to kind of keep Jesus in the season, or it's a pinch of generosity that we might have or an abundance of gifts and calories that we'll consume, a few decorations here or there, and then you've got to kind of lather it over or, or kind of coat it over with a, uh, with a good dose of some kind of drama. Uh, that you'll always remember uh, and you'll always talk about maybe in the car or ride home or something like that. But uh, Christmas is fun and we look forward to it, but it's also exhausting at times. Whenever you come into the season, you're kind of excited to see it come and excited to see it go all at the same time. Uh, there was a, a poem I'm sure many of y'all have heard, "Twas the night before Christmas, but I don't know if you've ever heard of the, "Twas the day after Christmas. Uh, there is another side of that story. Let me read it to you. "'Twas the day after Christmas, when all through the place there were arguments and depression. Even Mom had a long face." The stockings hung empty, the house was a mess, new clothes didn't fit, and Dad was under stress. The family was irritable, and the children no one could please, because the instructions of the swing set were written in Chinese. The bells no longer jingle, no caroler came around, the sink was stacked with dishes, and the tree was turning brown. The stores were full of people returning things that fizzled and failed, and shoppers were discouraged because everything they'd bought now was high price on sale. It was the day after Christmas, and the spirit of joy had disappeared. The only hope on the horizon was 12 bowl games in the first day of the new year. So I don't know if that's you. Hopefully that's not your Christmas saga. But I want to propose something to you that we would take Christmas truly at its deepest meaning, at its, at its depth of what it really means, and we would make it a year-long celebration. Now, I'm not talking the year-long celebration that we, that we cram into three or four months with the excessive spending, eating, and traveling. I'm not talking about that that leaves you weary and tired and bankrupt. I'm talking about the real essence and meaning and fullness of Christmas, that thing we talk about peace, love and joy. How can I expand that for 365 days? How can I live in that and not just talk about that? And you think about, do we really know the Christmas spirit whenever you see what happened uh, a couple of weeks ago in Connecticut? I mean, talk about the absence of peace, love and joy. That is the preeminence of that right there. That is lived out right there as an example that just because we go through the Christmas holidays doesn't mean we truly own and live in the Christmas story. And I want us to just pause and think about that. Now we have been, if you've been a part of Grace Point Church since October anyway, we have been talking about this. We have been working through this. We have been celebrating, if you will, Christmas since October. 
And that shouldn't bring any of your children to want to come back here because we celebrated a long time. But the reason is not, again, the excessive gifts, spending and eating, all that kind of stuff. It is more along trying to figure out who Jesus Christ is. I mean, this babe that we honor, that we, that we acknowledge, that we worship, this babe in a manger, he's so much. And you can't contain it in a weekend. You can't contain it in a Christmas season. And so we've been studying through the book of Hebrews uh, since mid-October. And there's just one statement that summarizes very tightly packaged, full and overflowing book that just sums it all up. If, you, if you've been hanging with us, you'd know what I'm about to say. It's the, Jesus, it's the Hebrews manifest. And that is that Jesus Christ, He is sufficient, He is supreme, and He holds salvation for the entire world. He's not partial. He's not racist. He's, he's not sexist or anything. He embraces the entire world. He loves the entire world. And He is supreme. He is sufficient. And He is, holds salvation for the entire world. We can't get away from that. And when you come to the Christmas season, that's what we're about. But we've been talking about this for months. And how can we bring it for the next 12 months? Keep Christ in the center of our lives, not just the center of our Christmas. So have your Bibles, open to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, and we're going to finish up with the series today in the book of Hebrews. But probably no better passage to, figure, to finish it up on than just two simple verses that I just want to break apart for just a few moments to help us to see, hopefully, some very valuable truths in who Christ is and how Christ is that sufficient one. Now, if you were here with us last week, we talked about Jesus and, and Hebrews. And we talked about prior to Jesus, before Jesus ever lived. Adam and Eve and their son, Cain and Abel, their sons, Cain and Abel. We talked about, we just briefly mentioned Abraham and some of these great patriarchs, Enoch. We mentioned some of these people that date back, way back, and how their faith was expressed. And he tells us in this passage, he tells us to see certain things. One, he tells us to see this cloud of witnesses, all right? This cloud of witnesses that we speak of in Hebrews 12 is everything that we just spoke of in Hebrews chapter 11 and many that we didn't even talk about. This, this cloud of witnesses, these 17 Old Testament people, figures, men and women of all shapes and sizes and how, again, their life was totally, totally uh, transformed by by their faith, okay? And then we come now to Hebrews chapter 12, and he's just reminding us. The bar has been set. There are witnesses watching, if you will, that, that they are, they, they've done it, they've lived it. Now what about you and I? And so the second thing he tells us to see, he tells us to see yourself. And he talks about it multiple times. He says, let us, let us. He's really trying to bring the crowd together, and he's saying, listen, we've talked about everybody in history. Now let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about us. And what are we supposed to do with what we have just seen about this life-transforming faith? And then he tells us to focus on Jesus. He says, look at Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. Live your life looking at Jesus. Who is this author and the finisher of our faith? And all that is packed in there. So I want to break these down just a little bit more. And hopefully these three keys will help you take Christ beyond the 25th of this month, 
take Christ into the new year. Take Christ into your family for the, for the remainder of the year and for hopefully the remainder of your life. But let's jot a couple of these down. If you have your notes, there's a place on the back. One is if we're going to do this, if we're going to live this Jesus lifestyle ongoing, is that we need to release some extra weight from what holds us back. All right, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, let's look at these verses as I, as, I, as I read them. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who's that? That's the people in chapter 11. That's Enoch. That's Cain and a, uh, that's Abel. That's, uh, that's Abraham, Moses. That, these are the great cloud of witnesses that lived before us. Let's, we've been surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us, now here's the charge to you and me, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of the faith, who with the joy, for, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That gives us the full story in two verses. All the people in history have been looking for this Messiah to come. The Messiah comes in Jesus, and now what are we to do with that? How, how is it supposed to affect uh, our life and ripple into our life? Well, the first thing I said it already, we need to release a few pounds. All right? Now, don't leave here and go out of here thinking, I went to church and the pastor told me I was fat. Okay, I will say this, uh, that there may be some poundage issues, but I'm not talking about what you've had from Grandma's eggnog. I'm not talking about that kind of physical weight. I think we live in this world and we carry around weight that we don't need to carry around, things that we should not be carrying around. It wasn't God's intent. If you look at this passage in verse 1, he tells us to let us lay aside every weight. So what is the weight that he's talking about? The weight and sin that easily entangles us. I want us to think about that for just a moment. What is the weight that I need to shed? As you're making your New Year's resolutions, as you're thinking about the weight you might shed in the new year, let's talk about weight we need to shed today before Christmas actually comes. What is the weight that we need to shed out of our life? Because God didn't intend for us to carry through life a bunch of extra weight. In fact, His load, his, what He wants us to carry is actually light. He says that Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, all you who are weighted down, all you who are carrying a heavy load, burdened, and what will He do? I'll give you rest. So what we do is we go through life carrying weight we should not be carrying. We carry things that burden us down, that we regret. We live a life of regret. We live a life of remorse. We think, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have done this and so on and so forth. How do we set ourselves, how do we get free of this weight? So I want us to be just aware of a couple of things. Number one, be aware of the excessive weight that you might be carrying. What is that? What does that look like? And how do I get that out of my life? And how do I lay that, 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 that weight aside and out of my life? And I just thought of two examples because that's all the time I have. I could probably give 15 examples, but let me just give you two just to get your mind started. Because if you're following Jesus, and He said it, if you follow me, you come to me, my, my load gives you rest. It frees you from weights and burdens that you ought not have to carry. But here's just a couple examples. 
that we need to be very keenly aware of in our life. If we're going through this world with unconfessed, unrepented of sin, that's a dangerous weight that we carry. Let me just give you an example. I'll leave it in the third person. We'll talk about somebody not here. We'll talk about a king one time, a long time ago, who thought that he was invincible, who thought that he could get by with anything. After all, he was the king. And he got in this situation where he had an adulterous relationship with a lady named Bathsheba. You know the story if you've been around church at all. David was the king and he had this this kind of uh, moment of stupidity and he stepped into this stupidity and he thought as king that he was invincible. So for an entire year, listen to this, the king of the greatest superpower nation of that day was carrying around through his life a heavy weight that he did not need to carry. It was unconfessed, unrepentant of sin. Now, you would think, again, a king would have freedom from that. He could buy his way out of it. This is the reality is, I don't care if you're rich or poor, educated or uneducated, if you're white, black, tall, skinny, whatever you are, there is no way you can buy yourself out of the guilt and the weight that comes with bad choices. Even David couldn't buy his way. He carried it around for a year. Listen to his words when finally he confesses his sin before God Almighty in Psalm 32. He says, when I slept and when I kept silent, that's when I wasn't confessing it, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy. Remember I said sin is heavy. Heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. I want us to be aware today of an excessive weight that you may be carrying and you think coming into this room might free me up for a little bit and it might free you up for a moment. But if you don't change, if you keep going through this world living it that way, you will carry for the rest of your life the weight of that sin. So let some weight off today. That's one of the ways. Another way that we carry around excessive weight is through fear and anxiety over the unknown. Now again, I can list 15 different reasons. I'm only going to listen, list two of them. 15 different ways that we carry around extra weight. That word worry is something that cripples so many people. Do you realize that's actually an Anglo-Saxon word that means to strangle someone? When you worry, you know what you are doing to yourself? You are literally strangling yourself from moving forward strangling yourself from living. And when we live in a a life of fear and anxiety and worry and fret over the unknown, then we are doing, we are strangling ourselves. Jesus said in His own words, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Folks, we carry around extra weight When we live in this worry mode in this world, beware of it. All right? Beware of excessive weight. Number two, beware of excessive entanglements because you're going to be entangled. Let me tell you this. If you don't realize it already, sin is sticky. Sin has a way of when we do it, when we live it, when we make these bad choices, it sticks to us, it becomes a part of us, it weaves itself into us. It's a very dangerous way to live. 
When we think that we can live carefree, but it's very, very sticky. Even Paul told young Timothy, he didn't use the runner's metaphor that Hebrews used. He uses a military metaphor. And he uses this and he says to young Timothy, he says, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who's enlisted him as a soldier. If you see yourself as a soldier in God's army today, then the worst thing you could do is go out and entangle yourself, be stuck to, be, and that word entangle literally means to weave together. It's like this sweater that I'm wearing. It's got many thousands of threads that make up this sweater. You can't, unless you get close enough, you can't, can't tell one from the other. When we live in our world and the world can't tell us, from them, Christians from non-Christians, followers from non-followers, we have allowed ourselves to be entangled. It's a very dangerous way. We are not going to be able to live the Christmas message, live the love, joy, and peace of Christmas if we are entangled, caught up into the affairs of this world. So today, my first challenge to us today is that we lose some weight. Lose some weight. What is it that you need, I need to lose going forward and especially before Christmas comes two days from now? How is it that I can shed some pounds, shed some weight, and shed some things that are holding me back? But here's the second thing. If I'm going to live the Christmas story out, then I need to, number two, renew my commitment to God's plan for my life. You need to renew your commitment. What is it? This is a great time. Don't wait till January 1st. Do it today. Make that commitment. If you've ever made a commitment to follow Jesus, make it sure and solid today. If you've never made a commitment, do it today. Because if you look look at this passage of Scripture, we just read it. He said, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside the sin which clings to us so closely. And let us, here's the second let us, let us run with endurance the race the race that is set before us. The race that is set. Run with endurance. The race that is set before us. I want us to think of the word run, first of all. Now that tells you the mode of operandum that God wants us to live in. This is not a waltz with God. This is not a karaoke dance with God. This is not a, a hangout with Jesus and just kind of stay over here on the sidelines. God wants us in a race. He doesn't want us in a sprint. He wants us in a marathon. He wants us for all of our life. Are you running? Is it clearly decided in your life, are you walking with Jesus, running with Jesus, maybe is the better way to put it. But he also says with endurance. Run with endurance. That word endurance is a very key word because there are so many things in your life and my life that over the next 365 days, as you seek to live out the Christmas message for the next, you're going to face roadblocks, hills, valleys, rainstorms. You're going to face all kinds of things that are going to get you off course. Are you going to have the endurance to go through it? I read a study a number of years ago, and I could remember just a little bit of it. I had to do a research through all my files this past week and pulled it out. And ironically, it has a lot of tie even to my family. Uh, and, and I didn't when I, uh, when I read it a few years ago. I want to share it with you. It's a study that was done by West Point graduates. Uh, a couple of West Point graduates, one University of Pennsylvania uh, graduate, and then another one was from the University of Michigan. They all got together and they studied the 1,200 cadets that enroll every year at West Point. 
And how the first seven weeks before a cadet ever enters the classroom, they'll spend it in a basic training called Beast Barracks. And in that time and in that training, it is intense. It is everything that a, that a, that a, 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 an enlisted man would go through uh, going into the military at boot camp. And it's interesting, these guys studied, these students, these young cadets that go in um, to, 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 to West Point and found that one, uh, one out of every 20 will quit in the first seven weeks. And so they began to study, what was it that made the difference? What was it that made the students that would go through Beast and finish Beast, what was it that made the difference? Was it their academic, scholastic ability, their athleticism, or their well-roundedness? And they did not find, excuse me, any of that as the marker. They came up, in their own words, they said it was one word. It was the word grit. They defined it like this, perseverance and passion for a long-term goal. That is the only thing that will keep some people in that basic training mode, gritting it out, having the endurance. Let me tell you this. I wish I could tell you that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. It's not. In fact, some days it's harder than the day before. But when you're in this race, run it. Run through the rain, run through the hell, run through the sunshine. Run on the beach, run on the rocks, run on the hills, run in the valley. But just don't stop running. Renew your commitment to God today. But not only that, not just running a path out there, but what does he say? Run the race that is set before us. God has a plan for your life. Powerful, awesome God before you were ever born put into your mother's womb, had a plan for your life for this time, for this hour, for this day. I love the statement that God told Jeremiah in his day. He says, I know the plans I have for you. The beauty of that is, is if God had a plan for them, then he probably has a plan for us, especially when you read in Hebrews, it tells us to run according to the plan. Now, the thing is, is if we're going to live the Christmas story year-round, we can't run our plan. We've got to run His plan. But when we run His plan, it will be beautiful, powerful, life-transforming. It will bring us the love, joy, and peace that Christmas promises and that, as we have seen, and even in our Christmas season, is missing in so many people's lives. Will it be beautiful and perfect and everything? No, I've already made that very, very clear. But I love Psalm 23 when it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And though I may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Before all of that happens, you must first say with a psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd. He's guiding me. I'm on His path. I'm on His plan. I'm going to do it with endurance no matter what I may face. 
Number three, renew your commitment. Excuse me, that's number one. Renew your commitment to his plan. Uh, and that would uh, be number two. Release the weight. And then number three is relay, rely, realign your focus on Christ. Get your focus where it belongs. Now, the, the, the book of Hebrews ends in chapter 13. But many people believe, again, that Hebrews was a, a sermon that was shared. And as the sermon was shared, it comes to the end in chapter 12. And chapter 13 is more of an addendum that went with the letter. So you're really getting the, the, the writer of Hebrews landing the jet airplane, putting it down. And if there's one last thing that I can say to you right before I close this message in Hebrews, what is it? He says, fix your eyes. Get your focus on. Realign your life with Jesus Christ. Know Him intimately. Let's all read verse 2 together. It'll be on the screen. Read it with me. Looking to Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, He seated at the right hand on the throne of God. Three phrases I want you to remember. Jesus is the author. question you need to ask yourself, am I living His plot? If He is the author, as it just said, if He is the one who has a story to tell, as we've just heard, and we are hearing, if, I, if He is the author, if He is the pioneer, if He is the founder, as other translations put it, am I in line with Him in the story that He is writing? Or am I writing my own story and saying, God, would you insert here? Not here. Insert here? Not here. I need to be a part of His story, His bigger picture, and what He is doing in and around and through me. Here's the second question, the second statement. Jesus is also the finisher. Are you staying in step? He's the finisher, is what it says in some translations. It says He is the perfecter. God's got a beautiful plan. He speaks it through Jesus. He lives it through Jesus. He models it through Jesus. As Jesus Christ is God coming on, on this earth, putting on flesh and dwelling among us. And He is the one that I need to set my, my, myself to. He is the one I need to set my direction by. Are you doing that? Or again, are you carrying around some extra weight today? Nursing it, holding it, loving it, pulling it out when you want it. Get rid of it. The story of Christmas is God invading evil, fallen mankind. Think about it like that. God invades our world. Philip Yancey said it like this. God's great invasion, a daring raid by the ruler of the forces of good into the universe's seat of evil. I love that. I will never look at Christmas the same as long as I remember that that the perfecter, the author, who, who started this story, who's writing this story, who includes you in this story, the one who's perfecting this story, the one who's completing this story, He is Jesus, and Jesus is the one that I should live my life focused on. Because not only is He the author, is He the finisher, but He's also the Redeemer. Jesus is the Redeemer. Do you know His salvation? The third statement I want you to just zero in on. He is the one who makes things right 
that are fallen, that are broken. He's perfect. He comes to this earth. He dies. He sheds his blood for you and me so that we could be in a relationship with God. And sometimes what we do, listen, this is the sad part, is we blow him off. We control him. We try to make ourselves the shepherd when he is to be our shepherd. In your life right now, do you know him as your shepherd, as your redeemer? Because... As, as you read there with me, who for the joy that is set before Him, He endured the cross. The story of Christmas, we don't think about the cross. We don't think about blood. We don't think about communion. You think about little Jesus in a manger. But you've got to realize you don't get the full picture. The full picture is that Jesus is the author of you, your and my story and of the great God story that's being written around the world. That Jesus is the perfecter. He's the completer. He makes it all whole and all right. But He's also the redeemer. If we're off course, He puts us back on course. If we're jacked up, He puts us straight. He aligns with us we al- as we align with Him. Around the room today, we have five stations. Two in the back three across the front. And we're inviting those who are followers of Jesus Christ today to be a part of a celebration that we call communion or the Lord's Supper. You'll hear it in different things. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, you don't want to be a part of this. This is not your time. This is not the place. What you get to do is you get to sit there and just kind of listen and think about, listen to the words the band will sing, listen to, the, think about the message. This is a time for you to reflect in your heart and your life, do you have a relationship with God Almighty? Are you carrying around extra weight? And you may be here today, you may say, Mike, that's me. And I want to make it right today. I want to get right today. Then this is a great day, a great moment, a great time, a great season to just say yes to Jesus. And you can do that just by bowing your heads as we're going to pray in a moment. Just say, Jesus, I don't know everything about you and I don't know everything about myself even, but I'm trusting you, Jesus, to be the God of my life, to be the shepherd of my life, to be the author and the finisher of my life, to be the redeemer of my life. I'm trusting you. Just say it in your own words. If you're already a follower of Christ when the band begins to sing and they'll be coming back, then what you'll do is you'll just come to these tables. Grab a little cup and grab a small wafer and, and just step over to the side because it's going to get kind of crowded at all these stations. You can go even along that outer wall. As an individual, as a family, however you want to do it, you can even sit on these steps. And you just take that bread and for a moment I want you to reflect on the life of Jesus Christ. Because the bread represents Jesus in the flesh. See, God didn't stay separated from man. God came down to man. Jesus was born for the purpose of dying. He died so that you and I may live. Think about his life. Think about his story. Think about what he's done. And then secondly, it's the cup. Cup represents his blood. The Bible says without the shedding of sin, or without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Take it, 
take the bread, take the cup, and say your prayer to God. Say, God, thank you. This doesn't save me. This doesn't make me right. But it is a great symbol to my rightness with you in Jesus Christ. So there's two camps. There's those who are following Christ. There are those who are not quite following Christ. But there's maybe another camp out there in the room today. And those who are just on the edge. They're on the edge. They kind of, yeah, they made a commitment a long time ago to follow Jesus, but they haven't really been. Maybe today's a renewal of your heart and your life. This is your time with God. Let me pray. Father God, we bow before you. We love you. We adore you. We thank you that you loved us. You sent your son, Jesus, so that we could have life and no life. Lord, would you help us to let off some weight today? some things that are holding us back today. Would you help us to know you, Jesus, as the author and the finisher of our faith? Lord, would we be grateful for you as our Redeemer. And so, the Lord, when we leave here and we start this new year, we go through Christmas, We are no longer walking or waltzing. We are running with endurance the race you set before us. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is your time. You can respond.